MaxScholarsPublishing.com That uh, we should get our own. Once we have our own, uh, we're respected for the fact that we can create our own. And uh, that's equality right there. Start a record label, Miss Fish just did it. Nylon, cover five minutes. Whoa, we are too hot in the business. About to make a movie independent. Ocean views, small circle, it's a chosen few. I wrote it down and I followed through. I bought a pound and we rode the fuel. I talk shit, but she know it's true. Ocean views, small circle, it's a chosen few. I wrote it down and I followed through. I bought a pound and we rode the fuel. I talk shit, but she know it's true Blessings, it's in my section Yo, with all this money, I'm obsessive Weapons, turning off y'all extras Turning off this bullshit direction Turning up my grind, waking up to more pressure But it's all in your mind, so I never feel pressure Know it's all a due time, now I'm running stacking like Tetris Hustle hard is my message, then double back and get extras No I spaz when I catch it Bone, white Lexus, all black tint, two white cups, fat gold chains, bright Texas. I'm just young and I'm reckless. I'm just on for my section. I'm just out on top speed with my top down and I'm revving. I don't know about hell, I don't know about heaven. All I know is about right now, and this lifestyle is interesting. Ice down in my session, I just write down his confessions. Died, I got life around me, I guess that I'm an exception. Bless ocean. Um, so Melissa, welcome to the Black Scholars Podcast. Glad that we can finally connect and uh, go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners. Um, just give us a you know brief background of your teaching experience, what uh, put you into the field, and where, what do you currently do? Um, so my name is Melissa Swansea. Um, I'm currently a um, master's student in the criminal justice program at Wichita State. Um, I got really involved in education, I was like 19, um, and I started teaching summer debate camp. And I continued on after that, working for the Memphis Urban Debate League, coaching debate, teaching debate, uh, training new up-and-coming coaches. Did that for about, I'm entering maybe year seven. Um, Moved up to Wichita, where I've continued on as a high school debate coach. And also um, as an undergraduate teacher of like the introduction to criminology courses. So a few things there. So I was uh, at Overton High School from, uh, what was that, 2009 through 2011 before I took a brief stint away from teaching to start my own uh, business and also I worked for Apple at the time Mm -hmm. and I coached debate and uh, Overton was a really good debate team. uh, So then you were coached Overton when I was there when I I was debating for Wooddale. You were debating for Wooddale. Yes and I graduated Wooddale in 2010. 
I wonder if I ever judged any of your debates. It's very likely. <laughs> and that's probably where I probably initially recognized you. Um, and my sister went to Overton and she graduated in 2009. So that's also probably, we look very similar. Yeah, that's weird. Memphis is such a small uh, small city. Like it's a big city, but it's a small city too. Because it's always that six degrees of separation. Like everyone knows everyone or knows someone. Right. And uh, yeah, so, so Memphis Urban Debate League, you started out as a debater. And then once you graduated high school, you were training other coaches? Yeah, so I, I left and debated in college. Um, I went to Hawaii Pacific at first, and I, I actually had a debate scholarship out there. Nice. Um, and then I transferred to MTSU to be closer to home. Um, I was debate team captain there. Nice. Did some competition on the national circuit, and then I came back to Memphis after I had my daughter. Um, and then I was offered a position to teach debate um, for the summer camp, and that went well. So then I was offered a position to help with judges and coaches train. So how, how long were you at Memphis Urban Debate League? Like overall, from 2012 until 2017. So up until I moved to Wichita, I took one year off. Um, but from 2012 to 2014, and then again from 2015 to 2017. Now, is Memphis Urban Debate League still a thing, or did they just change the name to Shelby County? They've changed the name. A lot of weird things happened. Okay. <laughs> um, the it was a nonprofit. Right. When I was in high school, when you were there, um, mm -hmm. I left the year before the nonprofit essentially tanked. Okay. And the nonprofit have gone through some rebranding because of the school district merger. Right. Um, and after that happened, the school system took it over. So it's Metro Memphis Urban Debate League now, but it's run by Shelby County Schools instead of the nonprofit. Wow. And so. Oh, new world. So you're an educator now, but I think it's important for other educators listening to this podcast, coming from uh, a debater, from a debater to a debater, how important was it for you to debate when you were in high school? Like, how did it change your, your focus or your perspective um, overall and even just as far as like school and the things that you were learning in school? So I will tell, I sit down with parents all the time at like the beginning of the year meeting um, and tell them debate gave me everything that I currently have. Yeah. Um, I wholeheartedly believe that I think, number one, I grew as a speaker, but more importantly, I grew as a researcher and as a thinker. Mm. Um, I also learned, today I defended my thesis. Congrats. <laughs> and, um, while I was defending, one of the remarks was about my speaking presence, which I know I got from debate. And the other thing was my writing skills mm -hmm. and told my committee, I, I'm a debater by training. Everything I know about writing comes from my speaking skills. I, I write like I debate. How does this sound? How does this flow? Mm -hmm. um, how can I relate this to people in a way so that they'll understand? And I got all of those skills from debate. And it paid for college. Um, I did debate scholarships in undergrad, had a debate job in undergrad. I came up here for my master's program. Knew not a single soul in Wichita, Kansas. I applied for an assistant debate coaching position, was hired over the phone, and have been since I got to Kansas. I've had a job as an assistant debate coach. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, yeah. So just educators, like 
especially ELA uh, educators, teachers, like study the art of debate. Like even if you aren't a debater yourself, like I think it's vastly important to make sure that your students get the opportunity to debate. Um, so I teach uh, the gifted students um, at Millington Middle, uh, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade ELA. And the foundation of my class, of my course, um, for each grade is you will write at a high level, and that's the expectations. You will read at a high level, and that's the expectations. And you will debate at a high level, and that's the expectations. So I form everything around writing, reading, and debate. And really with debate, the reading and writing and just overall literacy is 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 so fundamentally included there. Um, even just thinking from a standards perspective in Tennessee, you know, the standards that we kind of ignore, the speaking and listening, you pick up some strong, as you said, speaking skills. But I would argue you picked up some great listening skills as well, too. And I teach my kids, you've got a flow. And they at first they were so confused. Like, what do you mean flow? I'm like, you have to take notes about what your opponent is saying. You have to clash against that argument. You can't drop an argument. Um, and so, you know, I debated in high school. I didn't debate in college, but I did get paid for judging debates in college because I was just too busy and uh, I didn't have a debate scholarship like you did. But that's awesome. And I always tell, even when I was at Overton, it's a possibility you can get a debate scholarship. And so to hear that you actually did get one and you ran with it and you're still actively involved in the uh, debate community, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I miss debate and I have my kids debate, but we're not in a debate league, you know, so it's it's not the same. Um, yeah. But just the competitive juices get to flowing. Uh, I see it amongst my students when they're debating about different texts, anchor texts that we read. So I absolutely love that. So thank One you for sharing that. Is kids want to win, you know, and mm -hmm. debate fosters that competition to where seeing kids, especially in policy debate, and, and in Lincoln Douglas in public forum as well, just how they're willing to research. They are willing to dig through every article on planet Earth to guarantee them that win. And that research skill, you know, even if they don't go on and debate in college, that's something that sticks with you. Because right. you go on, you go to college, and you've learned so much of researching. Because you did it in high school or middle school because you wanted to win the debate. You know, it wasn't like, mm -hmm. oh, he's teaching us something, teaching us how to research. It's like, I want to win, so I'm going to do this. And when you get to college, it's like, I already can do this. Exactly. Exactly. It gives you a different level of confidence. It's, it, it's, it, it's not hard to explain, but it's more so a, it's a feeling um, that you can't really explain. It's like... I know I'm capable of doing great things in any setting. Nothing's going to be too academically difficult for me because the research that's required to be at the top of your game and debate in a debate tournament, like it's a lot. It's a lot of thinking. You know, it's a lot of critical analytical thinking, even being creative in how you um, form your constructive, how you form your argument. So um, I just encourage every ELA teacher, any teacher, period, like educators, Please, if you don't know anything about debate, um, there are some 
some great resources available online. There are some great books that you can purchase that are relatively inexpensive, or you can just contact me and I can point you to um, the information that you need because it's important for kids to uh, master the art and science of debate. So awesome. If you go to some of the, the, for those that are educators, if you go to some of the Urban Debate League websites, I know Boston has one. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of educators toolkits online. Very that true. you can download with like resources on how to integrate debate in your classroom um, and tips and tricks and little activities. I don't do as much with younger high schoolers that are actual debaters, mm -hmm. um, but I browse through there sometimes to get ideas for my undergraduate classes and um, there's really good free resources online. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let me ask you this. So you mentioned that you were at Wichita State. Um, yes. and, and so what are you doing at Wichita State? I'm working on my master's in criminal justice. Okay. Um, finishing up in May. Okay. Um, and then as part of my scholarship requirement here, um, last spring I taught the intro to corrections course. And okay. this spring, I'm teaching the Intro to Criminal Justice course for the undergrads. So basically, you have a, a graduate assistantship. Yes. Okay, awesome. So you're teaching at the collegiate level, and then um, you're also at Wichita East High? Yes. Okay. And you're... At high school level. Okay, and so you're coaching debate there? Yes. So at your school, is debate an actual course? Yes. That's awesome. Uh, at East, there's I'm an assistant coach. Um, the head coach teaches several sections of debate in the fall and then speech in the spring. Okay. Um, I'm there doing practices and during tournaments. Sometimes, if I can make it to his classes, like early in the morning, um, but it's harder for me because I also have a small child at home. Right. Uh, getting her out the door in the morning. Um, when we have a team of about. We had 100 students this year. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, 18 qualified to nationals for National Speech and Debate Association. Nice. 13 to National Catholic Forensics League. Love it. it was busy season. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, so I know you have a lot going on being in that master's program and your graduate assistantship. Um, but where is more of your commitment to, like as far as the hours you have to pouring in on a, on a daily and weekly basis. Mm. As far as debate and my high school students. Yeah. Um, structured wise, I'm at practice twice a week and at tournaments every single weekend. Last okay. week was probably the first free weekend I've had this entire semester. Um, and kind of unstructured all the kids. We have a debate. We have debate group chats for everyone who's in every different event. Okay. Um, and so a lot of outside research and a lot of times if I come across articles, I make sure, hey, cut this. Um, a lot of students send like their informative or their poetry cuts to me, those that are doing speech and we kind of work through them via email um, because I'm not in the classroom with them every day um, like the head coaches. Okay. And so let me sway a little bit off of, of debate and just really get into to you as an educator. Um, you, so you're working on or, and about to finish your Master's of Criminal Justice, and yeah. you just successfully defended that. What is the overall career goal? What are you going to do with that um, degree? 
Um, so my goal is to teach at the collegiate level um, and also to do some things. What I actually look at is genocide and war crimes and hate crimes. Okay. Um, so I want to teach that because a lot of times criminology departments don't really have those options. And I think it's a perspective that's missing from the like existing literature. Absolutely. Um, and then also doing some stuff with actual genocide prevention and peacekeeping efforts with the UN, the hopefully crazy ambitious goal. <laughs> right. So then that's going to, and that, and you can actually teach at the collegiate level with a master's degree, but I'm sure if you're going to, uh, if that, you know, your career goal, you're going to want to do it from a tenured position. So does that mean that you're going for your doctorate degree next or are you going to give, give yourself a break or are you going right away? I'm going right away. Okay. Um, Same school? No. Okay. Um, WSU doesn't have a PhD program. Okay. So I'm moving up to cold Massachusetts. Whoa. Uh, Lawrence University of Massachusetts Lowell. So you like to move? You like to move? Move like you're you just, <laughs> you just take off because you're from Memphis, Tennessee, right? Like you're born and raised from Memphis, Tennessee. Um, raised in Memphis. Okay. Born in Amsterdam. Wow, um, you're from the Netherlands. I am. You, and, uh, you've been all over the place. My mom's from one of the Dutch colonies in South America, Suriname. My dad's from Mississippi. Okay. So we're kind of kids raised all over the place and going yeah. back and forth a lot. Yeah, I love that, though. I love that. So because it's probably why I'm like, eh, if I have to move, I have to move. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. It's a freeing feeling to be able to to be mobile, right? And and still make your dreams a reality. So that that's awesome. I definitely applaud that. Um and so you're going to get your doctorate degree and your doctor is going to be in criminology? Yes. And so you've already uh, been admitted into that program and you're going to start in fall? Yes. Oh, wow. So how long is it going to take you to complete that program? I just signed up for another five years of my life. <laughs> five years? Is it because there's so many credits and that's going to take, what, four years or three years of classes? Um, it could be three years for all okay. of their credits. They do have a credit intensive program, but then it's also... Um, I know for myself, the way I want to do my dissertation, um, it's going to take me some time to get it done. Okay. And I want to give myself enough time, I think, to really go in depth, um, and do some important work. So do you, do you think that it's going to take the full five years or you just kind of planning for that right now? <laughs> planning for five years if i can get out in four i'd be really happy but i'm planning for five well it seems like you already have a dissertation uh focus um so i'm sure once you get started you'll probably start you know kind of honing that down um and working on that yeah okay <clears throat> awesome awesome well it's we need more black and brown um in the classroom, even at the collegiate level, and we definitely need more of us with doctorate degrees. So uh, kudos to you, and I'm, I'm glad to see that. So have you also considered doing anything um, with K-12 since you are working in both spaces um, as far as like career-wise? Well, 
the contract to come back for next year. All that means is I ain't get the promotion I was hoping for. Another year with BS with new initiatives that only last until February. I'm gonna have to come back and teach Tony brother next year? I'm good. Mr. Brown, we would love to have you back. Yeah, you got my back against the wall. Give me two days to think about it. I don't know how I'm gonna feel. I need all my kids to put y'all head on the desk. If I see y'all faces gonna influence my decision. I see that in my coming back box. Where's the resignation box? I'ma just take this home and pray about it. Jesus, take the pen. Whatever I put down is gonna be like an episode of Scooby-Doo, a mystery. They're not gonna put me in the same grade. Let me talk to my agent first. The fact that I'm even considering signing, let me know that I'm slowly running out of options. I need to have my lawyer read over this first. They don't know I've been looking for another job since January. When I sign, do I have to come back? I need to know all the stipulations of this here. I'm job and soul searching. I don't feel comfortable signing this right now. I need a second set of eyes. Let me let my representation look at this first. I'm asking a question like Janet Jackson. What have you done for me lately? Ooh, yeah. I have. Um, I think the thing for me is on a high school level, my, my interest is really in debate. Um, if I had an opportunity at this point to, to teach speech and debate the way the head coach at East does, um, I'd be willing to take that on, mm -hmm. especially because it's such a valuable thing. And one of the things I've realized, um, like you said, representation matters. Um, I have the privilege of coaching for the most diverse team in the state of Kansas. And I had a ninth grader who I work with her on her informative and she was like, you just don't know how cool it is to see a woman of color who looks like me, who's finishing her master's and going to get her PhD and going to have a doctor in her name and to be able to say like this woman coached me. Um, right. And I think we underestimate that impact uh, for students of color to see people with PhDs um and going the distance essentially in front of them like you know i did this and you two are capable of going to um graduate school med school law school whichever trajectory life takes you in or whatever you choose to do mm -hmm. um you have that capability and those options as well and i think a lot of students just don't get that right absolutely Totally agree. Um, and so you, you actually, you're kind of leading me on in this discussion that we're having. This is a great discussion. Um, so when I think about K through 12 and I think about college, you know, the main thing I hear um, and I've, I've seen research on is that a lot of our students, when they get to college, they are ill prepared. Um, mm -hmm. Are you seeing something similar with some of those intro classes that that you're where the writing is not up to par or the, the reading comprehension leaves something it's lacking something? Uh, what what are you seeing from the Absolutely. collegiate level? Um, you know, when I was an undergrad, I didn't understand why so many professors commented on how good my writing was. And then I got into teaching undergrads and grading <laughs> papers and I was kind of like, "Oh, <laughs> Now I get it. Um, and it isn't, I think a lot of students just sentence flow and like sentence structure, um, those things just aren't there for way more students than I feel like it should be at this level. Um, I think some of those building blocks are not there for students. And it's hard. Right. Um, I think as an educator, because I don't want you to fail my class because you're struggling with writing. And I, I'll never fail a student over that. But I am one to email like, hey, you might want to come see me <laughs> after right. the first writing assignment, because I, I believe in writing intensive courses, because I feel like, especially being in the criminal justice field, and I tell kids that on the first day, if this is the career path you want to take, 
even if you don't go on past your bachelor's degree, no matter what career you get with a criminal justice degree, you're going to have to write report writing, warrant writing, um, any other type of document. If you're a probation and parole officer, if you're a detective, anything you do, you're going to have to write. Absolutely. So it's in your best interest to learn now, but it's, it really overwhelmingly. And one thing I will say is that it isn't unique to students of color. I think that Agreed. a lot of times about students of color from, from inner city schools that didn't get a certain foundation, but I'm in Wichita, Kansas. I don't have a lot of students of color in my college classrooms. And I was um, going to, I was going to ask you that. So how many, how many, let's just say African-American students, because you know, that's, that's the platform that we're on right now. And that's why I kind of focus my attention on, um, not saying that all students don't need us cause they definitely do, but I like to focus on just black issues and black topics and concerns and whatnot. So how many black students do you actually get the opportunity to teach? And to be fair, I'm not judging cause, um, being in an intellectually gifted setting, unfortunately I don't have that opportunity to teach as many African-American students as I did in my past. So in, um, on a collegiate level, I have one African-American student in my class this semester okay. in the intro course. Um, and in corrections, I think I had like three or four corrections was a incredible, was a larger class. Mm-hmm. Um, then my intro courses on the high school level, um, being in Wichita, most of my students are coming from Hispanic, um, an Asian background. Okay. I was going to ask you about the community. Like, what would you say the percentage of African Americans are even in that, that, that city? Probably like 10%, maybe. Wow. Okay. That's low. It's not, yeah, it's not yeah. A, a big, I don't see a lot of people who look like me walking around the street. I understand. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, and, and, and looking at, again, from from K through 12 to what you're seeing at the collegiate level, which, which most colleges and universities are saying they're seeing students are ill-prepared, um, what do you think, and I kind of I think I know what you're going to say, but what do you think would help prepare like our, our sophomores, juniors, and seniors who are supposed to be college-bound and college-ready, like, What's one thing you would suggest that we can change in K through 12? Debate. Um, I, I knew it. <laughs> I set you up. I set you up. I knew it. I knew it. Um, and I, I think also just more, more writing. I think one of the things that I've noticed, I, I'm really close with, with our head coach. He's not just a boss. He's a friend of mine. Um, and we talk a lot about his class and the way he's structured. And he says that, you know, I have students in here that are very surprised that I require them to write in a speech and debate class as if they don't write in other classes. And I can't speak to what other educators do in their classroom. Um, but it is kind of an interesting thing if speech and debate is the first class where these students are having to write. Mm. Um, and, and really being questioned on their writing and being challenged to write well. Um, So I think incorporating more of that and honestly incorporating more of those debate skills because once a student learns to speak well and structure a speech, it doesn't only have to be debate, basic speech skills. Right. Uh, Once students learn to speak well, 
And to build these speeches well, Mm -hmm. they're automatically learning to write well. Well, Those things go hand in hand. Agreed. 100% agreed. Um, To the point, I would say in my classroom, and I would suggest this to any educators out there that want to improve their kids' writing, is to incorporate debate. Um, And and even if it's not as as well-organized and well-structured as an actual formal debate, just having a, a, a central question um, and being able to divide the room where there's one group of students that feel one particular way and they're strong on their position and they're ready to argue with textual evidence, which all students should know how to cite versus the other side and let them just be able to go back and forth on why they feel that they're correct. Just, you know, just simple, just simple stuff. But I 100% agree with you that if a student can learn how to structure um, a speech, um, it raises their confidence, not only in who they are as a person, but kids are naturally competitive. Like even the quietest, shyest kid in the world has a competitive streak. You don't see it in class, But when he's on Fortnite or whatever video game at night, like those kids are super competitive. So (laughs) if you give if you give them the chance to be competitive in an academic environment, debate, debate is that tool. It'll take your students and your effectiveness as an educator to the next level. So I agree. I 125 percent agree. Debate, 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 writing, 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 reading, reading, reading. And you get all of that through debate. So. And again, it doesn't have to be a formal debate. It doesn't have to be based on policy. Um, it could be based on text. You know, I teach my seventh and eighth graders. We studied To Kill a Mockingbird. You know, that's a classic. And the students actually debate the essential question of should Atticus Fitch, um, should he represent Tom Robinson? Knowing that, hey, in the in the time that they were in, African-Americans, small southern country town, he's automatically guilty. You, you know he's going to be guilty, um, even if, even though he really was innocent. And it's like, well, does it make sense for him? Does it make logical sense for him to take that case? And then you get into you know the different aspects of, of logic and how to analyze um, strong and weak logic. And we get into uh, the ideal of rhetoric and how to persuade. And it just goes on to a whole nother level. I am thankful. I will say this because I am at the middle school. Um, actually, at our high school in our district, they're actually starting a debate course for the first time. So I'm excited about that. Um, my students that I've taught the past three years, I'll say, um, are well equipped with debate terminology and they've debated um and so they know about rhetoric they know about different logic and you know so i'm excited about that and i think um to your point about uh, incorporating to kill a mockingbird i think that's something that is really underrated um we read so much in literature um as students Mm -hmm. that there's always a debatable topic um, it's, it's, you know, and I don't see how you incorporate debate in a math or a science class, um, but in language arts and in, and in social studies courses, there's always a debatable topic. Um, and there's always a way to kind of relate it back home to, you know, what would you do? And I think giving students that confidence to, to pick a side 
mm-hmm. and to be able to back up. You know, one of the things that I think is really missing um, of people in general in, in America that I think debate, and it, it starts with educators and having this debate in the classroom, is people's ability to verify sources. Yes. Um, <laughs> ability to back up their opinions with facts. Yep. Everyone is welcome their opinions, but some of these opinions that float around, it's kind of like, hmm, not a lot of fact there. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, and those are things that I think as as educators, you start instilling in students when they're young. Because um, that naturally agree. makes them hungry and naturally makes them feel like I have an opinion, but I have to have a fact because debate fosters that. 100% agree. But here's my evidence for why I have this side. Mm-hmm. 100% agreed. So um, to piggyback on that, so with what you're doing, coaching, um, debate, and you know, even even teaching at the collegiate level, um, I feel like everyone has, you know, with teaching overall, there it's a it's a science. It's also an art, and I feel like everyone has their own style and tone and different strategies that they practice so what how would you describe your teaching style like how do you build rapport with students what's like some of the best practices that you use in a classroom to really get students to that next level and to show you know mastery on the different objectives that you work on um so for me on a collegiate level i try really hard to meet students where they are as far as their interests Mm -hmm. um one of the cool things for me about teaching the intro courses has been asking, you know, what is your major? Why are you in this class? And it's a really annoying question for college students on the first day of class, but it's a great tool. Um, Here is how I make these lectures relate to you. And here are the lectures that I know you're definitely going to care about because this is the area you're really into juvenile delinquency. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're really into policy making and how policies are made. Cool. Let's talk about it. Um, I think really relating, relating to students by their interest, I think is underrated. Um, mm. really like getting, you know, I think getting to know students and then what you care about. And even on, as a speech and debate coach, um, one of the things we talked about this year as a coaching staff was just the importance of fostering kids to inspire themselves. Um, That sounds crazy, but a lot of what we've seen this season especially is the cases and the speech pieces have written themselves. Mm -hmm. What do you care about? What do you want the world to know? Because every student has something to say. I think it's up to us as educators to give them the tools necessary to say it. Rather than telling students what to say, I'm very anti-writing speeches for kids. Rather than telling them what to say, you know, I think guidance is important, but just asking, what do you care about? And out of that, um, I have had the honor and pleasure of coaching um, poetry speeches on Asian identity and having to assimilate and losing your culture. Um, I have coached up pieces on the Palestinian-Israel conflict and what that does to a family, pieces on immigration, I coached a brilliant girl this season who I'm so happy is going to nationals and hers was about the black experience. Mm. Um, And she put together poems. She talked about not just unarmed shootings, but how it feels when everyone sees you as a suspect. Um, 
and how it feels when she mixed up a couple poems for her piece and, and cut them together. And she took a piece where she essentially, one of the pieces was about the black experience of being used and how, and she put them together in a way where she was really bringing home the idea of you're used to build a country and that same country experiences you as a suspect. She came up with the point, <laughs> she came up with the ideas. I was just there to foster what she wanted to say. And I think that's, it's, you know, they're young people, they're high schoolers, and I understand, but so many high schoolers, especially black high schoolers, have so much to say and are wrestling with so much. And as educators, I think we should be open to giving them the space to say it. Agreed. And to talk about it. And here are the tools, you know, you have a voice. You just haven't quite learned how to tap into it the most effectively. So I'm not here to give you a voice. I'm not here to give you something to say. I'm just here to help you learn how to communicate what's already in you. Um, and letting students know that you believe it's already in them. Even at the college level, I have so many students who come in and feel overwhelmed, like they're just not ready for mm -hmm. university, um, particularly with with my with some of my black students that I've had previously and some of the immigrant students just feel like they're not prepared. Um, and I'm always like, you know, I have I'm always on campus. I'm always in my office. Come by. Let's talk about it. And having that, I believe. In, in your potential as a student. And I believe that you already have the tools um, or already have the ambition and it's just a matter of tapping into it now. Um, yeah. I think that's that's my philosophy to teaching is, is how do I inspire students to inspire themselves? I love that, well said, very well said. Um, and I'm interested to hear that students um, work because that's a powerful piece um, for anyone, not just a high schooler, but but anyone. Yeah, <laughs> I was. Yeah, I'm. That's that's one of those moments I think as a coach when a student performs a piece for you and you're just like, oh my god. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's one thing to know a student has it in them. It's something completely different to just see it come alive, and yeah. you know, then they're looking at you like, what do you think? Do you think I'll win qualifiers? I'm like, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> I believe. Qualifiers. Definitely. hundred percent think you'll win qualifiers. Now to, to piggyback on your student and just everything that you were saying, um, as a black educator, especially in the space that you're in, you're in the high school, but you're also in the college, university. So, you know, your your response to this, I'm, I'm very interested in, in, in hearing what you have to say. Um, and I asked you this before off air, but as a black educator, like what issue do you believe that really plagues us um, as minorities in the field where we're a minority, like we're underrepresented. Um, and like whatever issue you say, like what can we possibly do about that? Um, so I, I think they're, my biggest issue, I think minority students have, and educators, the will to do is there, but the means are not always there. Um, I think that students of, of color are thrown away very often. Mm. 
and those programs that they need to be more competitive, things like debate, things like um, art, things like music, those are the first things on the chopping block. And so there's so many experiences that they don't get to have on top of all the stress of being in a society where you're, you're constantly seen as a suspect. And that weighs on your mental psyche. And those things that should be outlets, speech, debate, music band, you don't really have those opportunities very often. Um, and I, I, I think that is a huge barrier to overcome because even those students who make it to the college level, you can tell it's almost overwhelming because you've attended a high school. And I, I mean, I have this feeling, you know, I graduated from Wooddale High, which we had a lot of extracurriculars, but was not the greatest high school, if I'm being honest. And I left Wooddale and got to college and it was almost this, I did not feel that I belonged there. Not mm. that I wasn't smart enough, not that I was not deserving as far as grades, as far as intellect, but it was almost like that imposter syndrome. Yeah, you know, yeah. Student that graduated from Wooddale High School and I have exceeded all expectations for a student from Wooddale High School. Mm -hmm. But I do not feel looking at these students that are Hawaii Pacific with me. And that's part of the reason why I left after my freshman year. I do not feel like looking at all these students that are Hawaii Pacific with me and listening to their backgrounds that I belong in this space. Mm. Um, and that's hard. That's yeah. super hard to overcome. But I think, number one, pouring into students as much as you can and pushing for things, I think we are our own best advocates. Um, when the nonprofit debate league tanked, it took coaches going to the school system and saying, you cannot let this program die. Right. Um, we, you cannot let this program die and take this away from students. It took that. Um, and I think pouring into students in those early stages, like you're in middle school, yeah. me working in high schools, I believe in you as a student. Right. And you know, do not feel that you don't deserve to be. And I think debate is a great way um, for me to coach that because I'm constantly don't feel like you don't deserve to be on this stage. Don't feel like you don't deserve those trophies as much as anybody else. And once you get to the college level, you know, you have put in the work. Your background might not be the same. What's happening in your home life might not be up to snuff the high school you went to may not be up to snuff but you yourself are capable and i think pouring that into students as much as we can especially in those super early stages because that, that self-confidence really starts at the k level um pouring that self-confidence will help them tremendously later in life wow well said i, I can't say it better myself um and you gave me everything that I was looking for. I knew it would be slightly different for you, especially with, you know, your diversity and just the different uh, spaces that you've been in with your, your, you know, being from Memphis and then being there and then being born there. And like you've been all over the place. Uh, and I will say, you know, your role in education is not cliche. Like, you know, I'd say mine is somewhat cliche because I'm an English teacher. But what makes it not cliche is the fact that I'm a black guy in education and I'm in the classroom and I'm effective. There's not too many of us. Most of us, if we are in that space, are coaches, 
I don't coach anything. I coach, you know, as far as coaching, like I coach debate, like I told you at Overton. Um, but I've never coached a sport and I played sports and I have no interest in coaching a sport simply because I know the perception, the stereotype, the stigma. Oh, black guy. And I even have, um, you know, whether it's students or principals or uh, people that I've worked with. Yeah, well, well, they call me coach. Like that's like that. Just oh, coach, 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 and I'm like, what do I coach? I, I coach writing. I coach literacy. I coach debate. I coach coach comprehension and fluency. Like, what do I coach? Like, I don't coach a sport. Um, and to be honest with you, I, I might, I might never uh, actually coach a sport simply because my path is different. My purpose is different. Um, I'm an English English teacher. Like I'm an English teacher's English teachers. We can talk about the classics. We can talk about modern you know everything so contemporary uh literature and whatnot so you know i'm a, I'm a teacher's teacher um and and i i feel good saying that i feel confident in saying that um because there's not too many in this space um that look like me and that feels good but we need more like we said before representation so uh let me ask you this let me ask you this is there something that you would recommend to other educators who are listening um and when i say recommend i mean like a book or a podcast or a documentary a film anything that you've seen that might be able to help them in the classroom um one book a book that i absolutely love and swear by i have to look up the author the name of the book is learning in a burning house hmm. um okay. i read that book when i was I was a sophomore in college um, and this, the writer just came to my university and I, I was interested. It has a lot to do with the integration of schools and how it was actually the disintegration of schools. Um, and it talks about the lack of African-American teachers who really believe in their students. And I think it's a good it's a good book for perspective. It's a um, it's a bit of a depressing read. OK, <laughs> but I think it is an important book for those thinking about the education field um, because I think it brings home the importance of really inspiring your students and the importance of them having a black teacher who succeeds in their space. Um, I think it's important for those of us who are in education to continue to achieve and to show our students that we're achieving um, and making strides because that shows them that they too can. It doesn't matter what other teachers are doing, what non-black teachers are doing, um, and you know how they're perceived. Once they walk through your classroom door, they should feel like they matter and they're valued because they don't get that anywhere else. Um, they're not getting that in other classrooms. Mm. Well said. And, and what was the name of that title again? It's Learning in a Burning House. Uh, it's by Sonia Douglas Horsford. Okay. Beautiful, beautiful. I will actually leave that uh, in the show notes for everyone to be able to find. I'll leave a link to like Amazon or Barnes and Noble so everyone can get a chance to uh, take a look at that book. So definitely. What can I say? Mamba out. Thank you for listening to the Black Scholars Podcast. For more information, Sometimes. go to blackscholarspublishing.com. Be if you
you never try, you will never see. Stayed in Africa, we ain't never leave. So the ones don't sleep in our history. One no slave ships, one no misery. Call me crazy, or isn't he? See, I fell asleep and I had a dream.